You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Bringing you the best story, best trends, and best game from the best conference. Fourth and manageable. An SEC football podcast. Brought to you by 2400 Sports. Now, here's Brad Edwards. All right, guys, welcome into Fourth and Manageable with myself, Ashley Holder, and the awesome Brad Edwards. As always, um, we had an exciting, exciting past weekend with some SEC football. Uh, we two did. games that we were talking about, Brad. We're obviously Tennessee. Shout out to the Vols who go into number eight in the top AP poll. Number eight in the country. It has a beautiful ring to it. I have you know to the best that. thing about that for Tennessee is they don't have to take the field this week. They're off. Exactly. So, so at least we so, stay top ten of the country for two for another week. Well, it's you know? not it's not just that. It's like sometimes you know when you get that top ten ranking for the first time in a while, you go out on the field with a lot of pressure and and maybe you lay an egg. I've seen that happen so many times, and so a lot of times it is kind of a relief mm-hmm. to not have to go play a game when you get that single digit next to your name. Mm-hmm. Brad, let me tell you something. the The UT men's basketball team, okay. Quick story was number one in the country after I don't even know who they beat. I can't remember, but they beat somebody. They turned number one in the country, then went to Memphis the next day and lost. Yeah. We weren't even number one in the country for <laughs> 24 hours. Uh, didn't even give but you time you know to what? enjoy it. Yeah. Those five hours, boy, I went crazy. Okay. Yeah. And that is the last time I saw a number one next to the 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 name Tennessee. So we're on our way. You know, we're you weren't watching baseball now. season then. Because Tennessee well, was ranked true. number that one in true. baseball for That's a true. lot the of baseball, last Shout out to them. Yeah. Shout out to the baseball yeah. team. I never ever went to a game. So there's that. But I also don't like being in the sun that much, though. So. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so Tennessee, huge win over um, uh, Florida, 38 to 33. And then another game we spoke a lot about was Arkansas and Texas A&M. That was a big game. Uh, Texas A&M has clearly shown up the last two weeks. They get a win over a ranked team, 23 to 21. So for you, Brad, what were you watching? What what stuck out with for you with these two games that we've specifically talked about how big this was? Yeah, obviously uh, another big win for AM because we were talking about it two weeks ago. You know, you you look at coming off that loss to App State and the next four games on the schedule were all losable. And you're thinking, could this team possibly start one and four, one and five, excuse me, one and five? Yeah. After a preseason number six ranking. And, you know, we all thought it was possible. I mean, look, Based on what happened last weekend, I'm not sure Miami is that good. I mean, they lost by double (laughs) digits at home to Middle Tennessee. So maybe Miami was overrated. Um, Who knows how good Arkansas is. But uh, not to diminish, though, that Texas A&M went out and won two games that that were losable. And now they're, you know, back in a much better spot uh, in the the win-loss columns. And 
And uh, now they've got a chance if they can win this weekend at Mississippi State uh, to kind of have the type of season that people thought that they were going to have uh, going in. So a big win for them. You know, for Arkansas, I just feel like when you're in the SEC West and and your roster's not loaded with five and high four-star talent, you're probably going to play a bunch of close games during the season. And you're going to win some of them and you're going to lose some of them. So I, I think that's just kind of life in the SEC in general, but especially yeah. in the West. You just got to have a short memory and go out and play the next game. I think it's real easy for us to say, oh, man, that one's going to sting for a while because Arkansas had every opportunity to win it. Um, but you know what? They've won a lot of games and lost a lot of games that came down to the wire in the last in the last year. So um, I, I don't know that it really affect them as much. And they've got Alabama coming up this weekend. We'll talk about mm -hmm. that in just a little bit. Um, so they got to get ready uh, for the next game up. You know, for for Florida. I mentioned let this me on say, Saturday let night. Me say one, let me say one thing about Texas A&M. We were talking about how they had not notched 300 offensive yards. 300 they, yards. They did it. They surpassed that. Okay. I don't think they reached 350. Yeah, exactly. No, no. They didn't they didn't hit 350, but they did they did Progress. get over 300. Progress, so yeah, Brad. baby steps. Exactly. Baby steps, they took a baby but, step um, forward. Shout out to the Aggies for that. Yeah, I'm sorry. Way to, to go. Way to go, Jumbo. No, that that's good. That's <laughs> worth pointing out. Um, but you know, on on our show on Thursday, we talked about how important it was for Florida that Anthony Richardson stepped up and played like Anthony Richardson did in the first game against Utah if they were going to have any chance of winning. Well, he totally outperformed what he did against Utah. He played about I mean, you couldn't have asked that kid to do anything more than he did in that game. What it came down to is that Tennessee's quarterback was just as good. You know, Hendon Hooker was doing everything for his offense, and it really was just a battle of those two quarterbacks just going back and forth, and it came down to turnovers. Hooker just protected the ball better than Richardson did, and that was that was the end of it. But I think if you're Florida, as much as you are not ever going to claim a moral victory in the SEC, and especially not against Tennessee in a loss, um, there still was a lot to take away from that that was positive for the Gators because the offense did come to life after two really bad-looking performances. So I, I think there's that. Certainly there are defensive questions. There are probably even more questions on defense um, after what Tennessee did to them for four quarters. Or I mean, really, three and a half quarters because that game was close at the end because Tennessee yeah. kind of took its foot off the gas and was – they they got out of what they do. You know, they're all tempo, tempo, tempo. And you get that 17-point lead midway through the fourth quarter, and you're thinking, okay, now it's time to kind of run some clock. And I've seen that happen so often when teams get away from what they do best, and it ends up being counterproductive. And, and that you know almost came back to bite Tennessee there. Um, but then the last part of this, the Tennessee side, that was a, a huge win for them. I, I think it's easy for a lot of us to just look at, okay, Tennessee is the higher-ranked team. Um, they were a double-digit favorite. They were playing at home. They're supposed to win that game. You would think mm -hmm. that the way it ended, it's like, oh, major sigh of relief. At least we didn't blow it. And I'm sure there were a lot of sighs of relief. But when you look at the post-game reaction uh, by the Tennessee players, like you see how much that win meant to them. And – when when you read that stuff and you see how excited they are to win a game, you understand how dangerous that makes this team moving forward because this is not a team 
that's playing with a lot of pressure. They don't have this weight on their shoulders because of expectations. They are enjoying winning. And, and you can't blame them after what they've been through. Yeah. But I, I think that's what makes Tennessee dangerous for teams like Alabama and Georgia is that not only are they getting better, but they're having fun out there playing and they're enjoying winning, even if it's a, a close game that maybe shouldn't have been so close. Um, and and so that's kind of my takeaway from Tennessee is that is that the type of fun they're having going out there and playing each Saturday and winning games, I think I think makes them the type of team that you don't want to play if you're a highly ranked opponent. Yeah, like you said, they're they're going into the bye week with momentum, and that's exactly what you want, right? You're you you've just beat a huge rival rivalry type of team, right? And yeah. even though it came down to the wire, you still got it done. Now you have a week to rest. Your your starters getting some rest and you know just taking care of their body, getting that treatment done. And then you come back and you play LSU at that point. So would you say that Tennessee really is the real deal this year considering yes, we see that they have the number eight ranking in in the country, but are they the real deal? I mean can can this team give those Georgias, those Alabamas, and Arkansas, whatever type of team, a run for their money. Yeah, I, I think they are the real deal as far as being deserving of a top 10 ranking. And you look at the teams that are ranked around them. To me, this is usually the way you do it. When you ask, does a team deserve to be ranked where they are? Okay, l- look at the two, three, four teams right in front of them and right behind them. Is that the company that you see them in when you start like putting teams in tiers. And I, I think Tennessee is in the right company uh, w- within the polls. And the the other side of it, though, you asked, OK, are they, uh, you know, maybe a threat to a Georgia, Alabama? I don't mm-hmm. know. It's, it's too early to say. But but I, I think what's important for people to remember when it comes to that is that in college football in recent years, there has been a huge gap between the top two, three, four teams and then everybody else. And this year, I think the cutoff is between three and four. Now, I realize Alabama got played to the wire at Texas, and sometimes that happens. Um, but but it's been fairly common in in recent history for you know for teams that are ranked one, two, three. Those teams that you're going to see in the college football playoff for them to go out there against another top ten team and absolutely embarrass them because sometimes the gap is that big. So. It, it's not really a reflection on Tennessee's program if they aren't competitive with Georgia and Alabama. Obviously, they're trying to get to that point where they can be. But as far as being a legitimate top 10 team, I, I don't think being competitive with Georgia or Alabama is really what what uh, determines whether you are a legit top 10 team. Almost mm-hmm. anybody's going to get blown out by those opponents on most days. So, so for me, it's really about can Tennessee take care of its business against the rest of the SEC schedule? And uh, if they can, they should be favored in every other game. If they can do that, then yes, they are a legitimate top 10 team. Yeah, we'll talk uh, coming up in just a little bit about the rest of the schedule and how that looks for those teams like Tennessee, Arkansas, Georgia, the rest of the SEC as we're getting more into the thicker play of uh, SEC play. Um, but for you, Brad, you know, what else jumped up at you this weekend? There's, there's a couple other storylines that, that were kind of cool this weekend besides, you know, Tennessee just becoming the number eight ranked team in the country as I like to, you know. Just yeah. Like, yeah. When you, when you look at the, at the polls on Sunday, one thing that, that jumped out at me, I can't even say it jumped out at me. I have to give credit to, I, I was contacted last week by 
a pastor in Kentucky mm. who who is a big stats nerd like myself. And he wanted he to be wanted, on the show. He, he well, no, he didn't. And he didn't <laughs> even ask. I'll, I'll, his name is John Franklin. I'll, I'll give him a shout out. But he made me aware of this number, something that I was was not previously aware of. And and I've written a book on Alabama football's dominance, and most of that is around Nick Saban and his accomplishments. But I didn't know this, which is that with this past Sunday's poll, Nick Saban uh, set the record for a coach for number of weeks that his team was ranked number two in the AP polls. The 57th time a Nick Saban coach team has been number two in the AP poll. It, it, it passed uh, Tom Osborne of Nebraska for, for most all time. Saban for quite some time now has already had the most weeks ranked number one. So, I mean, just to give some perspective on the, the type of dominance that this guy has had for a long time now, like it just to, to have the most weeks at number one and the most weeks at number two, that says something. And I, I haven't crunched the numbers to see exactly what the percentage mm -hmm. is over the last like 14 years or so, but I would imagine it's a very high percentage of the polls that have come out that, that Alabama has been ranked either one or two, um, which is, it's just remarkable. Not that he built what he did as far as a team that became dominant but to have sustained it for as long as he has. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it really is unprecedented. It's hard to stay consistent. It is. And, and, and you know, there's so many teams in the SEC, so many coaches in the SEC are judged up against Alabama. And, and it's hard for people to keep the perspective that this is historical greatness. Like this is, we will never see this again. And it's completely unfair to judge any other program, uh, up against what Alabama has been doing for the last 14, 15 years, because yeah. the, the best programs in the history of the sport have managed to, to, to sustain that level for maybe six or seven years, mm -hmm. but, but not double digits. So that was one thing that jumped out at me. And another thing, and this wasn't cool. Um, you asked like, there was some cool stuff. This was definitely yeah. not cool. And uh, I mentioned at the end of Saturday's podcast that uh, Texas A&M's best receiver, Anaya Smith, um, if you're watching the game, you saw it was a pretty gruesome looking injury. He got rolled up on from behind while he was blocking mm -hmm. and, um, it looked bad. We felt like there was a chance that it could be season ending. And that was confirmed, uh, for us earlier this week, he's out for the season. And, you know, as you mentioned, this is an offense that's been struggling to yeah. break 300 yards and now without their, their best receiver, uh, I, I just have a hard time seeing this A&M offense really start clicking and become potent at any yeah. point this season because um if they were ever to get that passing game going you figured he was going to be a major part of it so we'll see but i just i hope for a uh, a full yeah. recovery for him because he's he a guy recovered. who's got a chance at the next level yeah definitely you always hate to see those gruesome injuries or any injuries at all and and, and watch those players go down knowing how much especially for that team is struggling a little bit but on the up and up is what it seems like and then you take a big hit like this i'm also on another note about um alabama when you look at alabama too you just look at how many players they've also sent to the nfl you know let's not we'll say nfl cfl um xfl usfl <laughs> i mean I, I they've got to probably be you know definitely leading in a lot of those categories as well as how many coaches have worked with saban right who've worked under oh. saban next to saban whatever i mean this guy has like 
you look at the tree, right, where you have all the branches going out and whatnot. Yeah. I don't even know where that tree stops, to be honest well, that, with you. Like, it's crazy. That's all part of, that's all part of the greatness of, yeah. of what Saban has done there, is that it's not just that he's put together great college football teams that have won a lot of games and won a lot of championships, but so many of these guys have gone on to make tons of money in the NFL. Um, and then you have guys who've coached under him who have gone on to become head coaches at, at a number of other spots yeah. and uh, have ended up doing very well for themselves yeah. too. So it's, I mean, so many people who have been associated with, with Nick Saban at yeah. Alabama, whether it was as an assistant coach or as a player mm -hmm. uh, have, you know, have, have really been able to profit from that experience uh moving on in the game of football. And I'm sure as is the case with, with any coach out there, um, there are others who may have never had a, a career in football beyond, you know, their four years in college who will end up be being better off for the experience they had playing. That's not, like I said, that's not unique to, to Saban, but obviously yeah. his influence and, and whatever over players is, is not just restricted to the football field. Yeah, I can imagine how many baby invitations, wedding invitations that this guy has. He probably has like 20 kids named after this guy. Well, you know what's know. funny? They, they did a, a feature on game day many years ago about the number of kids in the state of Alabama who had been named after Bear Bryant. Uh -huh. And and they had like a like a get together for all of them in Tuscaloosa, like basically, you know, Here's a party. Mm -hmm. If you were named after Bear Bryant, come for a lot of them. Yeah, I mean, most of them are, cool. are pretty old now. I mean, you're talking about yeah. people like in their, you know, certainly in their forties, maybe even mm -hmm. some in their fifties, um, who were, who were named after probably mostly, mostly thirties and forties. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean that, that time is coming now, if it hasn't already begun where people in Alabama are going to start naming their kids after Nick Saban. Oh yeah. There's definitely 15,000 Sabans right now. I, I'm, I'm just sure of it. You know, but the thing um, is, Bryant, Bryant works as a first name. Saban, yeah. I, I, I mean, it's very clear why you know. <laughs> that's you right. Yeah. It, I'm, yeah. I mean, I don't know anybody named Saban, but if I did, no, I, I, like, I don't so either. Were your parents an Alabama fan? Because that just doesn't make any sense to me. Right. Like I'm not going to go name my kids Vol. Like that yeah. just doesn't make sense. Um, <laughs> Moving forward, we've got another good weekend on tap, though. We've got some good uh, SEC games going on. A uh, couple of different ones. Georgia's going to be taking on uh, Missouri. Be looking out for that. Alabama taking on Arkansas. You mentioned that one for you. Those are just a couple, obviously. For you, you know, which, which games are you looking most forward to? What do you want to see out of this weekend? Yeah, I think the one I'm looking most forward to is uh, Kentucky at Ole Miss. Um, you know, you got two undefeated teams here and you know Ole Miss is uh is a team that up until last week had played really good defense and um you know they they we talked about that too last week how Tulsa was really going to test them and and they did Tulsa put up a good number of points on them but Ole Miss still you know came away with the win and so uh this is a a big game here not necessarily for any type of positioning you know we got an east team against a west team um, but, but, you know, whatever you're looking for, who's going to be in that next group of teams after Alabama and Georgia. And in the event that those two both make the college football playoff again, you know, now you're like, okay, how many spots are there for other sec teams in a new year six game? 
And Ole Miss was in one of those games last year. Kentucky certainly a team that's in the mix for that this year. And so uh, this this I think is a is a really big matchup as far as positioning for that to have a chance for a, a ten win regular season. And uh, if you're able to do that in the SEC, you're almost certainly going to play in in one of those big bowl games. And so I think um, that's kind of like the the carrot dangling out there. But uh, the players aren't thinking about that right now. They're thinking about keeping that zero in the loss column. And and uh, I think it should be a fun game in Oxford. Uh, other than that, I mean, A&M Mississippi State to me is an interesting game just because we talked about it. it's the third straight test for A&M. We also just talked about them losing their best receiver, Anaya Smith. And Mississippi State went into Starkville and beat them last year. And, you know, State didn't look so good against LSU in their previous conference test, especially in the second half. But this is an opportunity for them to kind of get back on the right track. And, and it's it's another very losable game for AM. And uh AM's at Alabama the next week. So you don't want to be going into that one off of a loss, although AM went into the Alabama game last year off of back-to-back losses and they they still upset the tide. But but um I think this is a big game for for both teams. And and so that's another one uh, that's exciting for that reason. And then, uh, you know, Alabama, Arkansas, as much as, as we may be inclined to think, okay, you know, Alabama just going to blow them out and, and they might, Alabama's a, a big favorite. You look at what they did last year in true road games, three of their four true road games were really, really close. Uh, then you look at their one road game they played this year at Texas needed a last second field goal in order to be able to win it. And so Last year and so far this year, Alabama on the road has not looked like what we're used to Alabama being. When most of the time they go in these big road environments and they score, you know, 21 points in the first quarter and the crowd's completely out of the game and that's the end of it. And they end up walking away with an easy win. I don't know. I don't know if this Alabama team is like those or if it's more like last year. Certainly a few weeks ago at Texas, it looked more like last year. So that's what I'm interested to see here is uh, can Alabama kind of shift gears and show that the Texas thing was a fluke? Or are they going to look like a team that might be vulnerable every time they go on the road? Because they still have Tennessee and Ole Miss left on the road as well. So if they're not if they're not able to shift gears, this is a team I think is very likely to lose uh, at least one of those two games because uh, those are, I think, I think both of those would be more challenging for them uh, than this Arkansas game would be. One and also looking at some of the other um, SEC games that are going to be going on this weekend, we've got um, LSU, who's three and one right now against the Auburn Tigers, who are also three and one. That one is at seven p.m. A little bit of a late kick, so that one uh, should be an interesting game, um, Brad. It doesn't feel like two three and one teams. I mean, LSU because they lost to Florida State in the opener. It, it felt so bad at the time. They are three and one. Um, and, you know, whatever with LSU, I mean, the, the one that really doesn't feel three and one is Auburn. You know, Auburn had a little bit of a scare in week two against San Jose State, and then they just look so bad in the one loss to Penn State. And then they should have lost last week in Missouri, who absolutely gave the game away. And Auburn's three and one, and we're sitting here waiting for their coach to be fired. I mean, that, that's, that's how bad of a three and one they are. And it could be this weekend. I mean, honestly, I think we're at a point now where the next embarrassing loss 
is going to be the last one for Brian Harson at Auburn. That's just the, the way it feels. There's no inside information there. And that's kind of the way Auburn operates too. So um, will it be this weekend? I don't know. Um, I think LSU's a good bit better than Auburn just because I don't think Auburn's very good at all. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. But if you're looking at the rest of Auburn's schedule, this is one of the most winnable games left on there. I mean, the way that they've looked, I, I don't think there are many, including Western Kentucky in the remaining out-of-conference game, you know, that look like that Auburn could win them. So this is one of their better chances. And I think it's kind of important, really important game, not only for their coach, but also for their season to be able to get this one if they want to even be able to dream about being bowl eligible. Yeah, we talk about the Georgias and the Alabamas. And like you said, you can't build your program trying to be like those very teams. But you look at Kent State, who came in and was able to keep up a little bit with Georgia, right? Georgia yeah. just won that was able to win that game 39 to 22 for you. Is this a little bit of a shaky type of game for Georgia? And what, what do they look like when you're going into play a team like Missouri? You know, um, I think so much of sports in general, but, but I think especially with, with football is about attitude and intensity and, Georgia just didn't show up mentally ready to play last weekend against Kent State. They knew that they didn't have to bring their A game, and they clearly didn't. I would be more concerned about Georgia if they had played close games against Oregon and South Carolina. The fact that they let Kent State hang around and, and make it a little closer than it should have been is not as concerning. I, I think Georgia will flip the switch whenever they need to. I think Missouri is probably going to get beat up pretty bad this weekend because of that. This is not a good time to play Georgia because I'm sure they have gotten an earful uh, this week about the way that they just played. So I, I think Georgia is still the best team in college football. And I think Missouri is going to pay for it this weekend. <laughs> Yeah, so they're probably going to take out all their frustration, clearly from Kent State, out on Mizzou this weekend. Going into our question ones, though, we've got five undefeated um, teams remaining in the SEC. We do this every weekend. We yep. do this every week. How does it look for you right now, how you would rank those five remaining teams that are left that have yet to be beaten? I'm sure Tennessee is obviously at number one, but go ahead. Yeah, so I think I'm going to keep the same order. Last week, there were six of them, and my sixth was Arkansas, who is now no longer among the undefeateds. Uh, so that would mean Georgia, followed by Alabama, Tennessee at three among the SEC teams. And then I believe I had Kentucky ahead of Ole Miss. And I'm going to stick with that for now. 
you know, this this weekend's game between them is in Oxford. So I I kind of favor Ole Miss because of the home field. But if you're asking me which team is better, I'm going to give a very, very slight edge uh, to Kentucky at the moment. So we'll we'll see that. But that that would be my current uh, SEC top five. <laughs> TBD to be determined on that one, right? So you already know right. one of those teams are coming off that list. That's right. The maximum we're going to have next week is four. Yeah, it's a somebody's coming off that list. Um, but Mark says, "What's up with this week's TV schedule? Why is Auburn the ESPN night <laughs> game?" Shout out to Auburn for getting that game right because they were just looking off well, in the last couple weeks. Well, so you know, I think you said the key part a little while ago when you asked me about that game, which is it's three and one against three and one. I think people who follow the SEC closely don't think of these as three and one teams. And so you look at that being the primetime game on ESPN. You're like, what? And especially when you when you consider that you've got Ole Miss, Kentucky, two undefeated teams that are ranked in the top 15 squaring off at noon. It's like, well, why not them at night and then put Auburn LSU at noon? That would make more sense. And I, I agree it would. Even Arkansas, excuse me, even a A&M at Mississippi State, to me, is a is a better game. I, I think it's clearly a better game than LSU at Auburn uh, and, and a more significant game. Why not put that at night instead? But um, what it really comes down to is TV is all about ratings. And Auburn and LSU have a bigger fan following than Ole Miss or Kentucky or Mississippi State. Not AM, but 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 yeah, I mean, you've got two of the bigger brands in the SEC going head to head. They both have winning records. And so therefore, um, they're gonna get that TV spot. And it and it probably was one that had to be selected in advance. Um, this wasn't what they call a six-day pick where they just decide on Sunday what their games are gonna be for the coming weekend. So uh, part of it was was already predetermined. Yeah, I probably would. I mean, I get I get what you're saying, right? Two, three, and one teams. It, it, the optics look good from the outside, but I guess when you've watched a team like Auburn, you're kind of like, yeah, I don't. Think yeah, I, I mean, that's that. not a look, clock. It, but I, but TV people, we completely understand the optics. Yeah, right. I mean, it was it, it was hard to watch Auburn at noon last week. Yeah, uh, and I, I certainly don't want to watch them at night. <laughs> so, I'm certainly not getting yeah. up at nine o'clock in the morning to go start tailgating for Auburn. I'm just right for noon. It's not happening. But uh, Troy, <laughs> right? Yeah. Troy says this seems impossible. But do you think that Alabama's defense might be one of the most underrated units in the country? I don't even know if I've even heard the word underrated go with Alabama with Alabama. Before. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't mean, even think not, they, I don't know the if last... they go in the same sense. Not in the last 15 years, that's for sure. But I, I think he makes an interesting point, which is as much as it, it is kind of impossible to think anything about Alabama, anything good could be underrated. Alabama's defense has not really been talked about. Uh, now, granted, th three of the four opponents they've played are are not good football teams. Uh, they, they had two weak non-conference opponents. They had Vanderbilt uh, as their first SEC game. And so you can say, okay, they should have handled these teams easily, and they did. Um, and in those three games combined, they allowed one touchdown. The other game they played was against Texas, and they allowed only one touchdown against Texas. So, I mean, if you look at, at, at the numbers, the conventional stats, 
Alabama is right up there among the national leaders in both total defense and scoring defense, and which would tell you this is a really good defensive team. In fact, they're ahead of Georgia in both of those categories, which mm-hmm. which is surprising, although Georgia has played better competition. So um, I, to me, the big question about Alabama's defense is this, is that we got to see them basically for one quarter against a good quarterback. And that was the first quarter against Texas. And then Texas quarterback, Quinn Ewers, was injured and missed the last three quarters of the game. And during that one quarter he was healthy, they torched Alabama. And Now, if you're on the Alabama side, you're going to say, well, Steve Sarkeesian is a former Alabama offensive coordinator. He knows this defense. He knows how to attack it. He had all offseason to get ready for this one game because it was week two and he had a weaker opponent in week one. Um, sure, you, you could make all those excuses, and, and they may be true. We'll find out as the season goes on. Um, but the truth of the matter is, right now, statistically, Alabama is 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 a top three defense in all of college football. But I don't think anybody really thinks of them that way, maybe not outside of the Alabama fan base. So um, I, I think um, it, it is a fair point that they might be underrated. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at it and you say even if – Alabama came out, I don't know, and lost three games in a row. They probably would still say, you know what, this is still the formula we need to figure out. Like this, we're still gonna follow them because now we have to figure out why they're losing, why they're not that good, right? Well, so the no other part what. of this, yeah, the other part of this is that Alabama's defense um had some holes last year. There were a few games last year where they gave up a lot. And I think there's some residue from that this year where people are slower to buy into them. Previously, you would have had no problem believing Alabama has a great defense. But they had a a few years recently where they've been a little shaky on that side of the ball. And I think we've come to associate Alabama with great offense more than great Mm -hmm. defense. And so have they gotten back to those ways on defense? Like I said, we'll we'll learn more this weekend against Arkansas and certainly in, in the weeks to come. Uh, Aaron says, what do you see as the most important SEC game this season? That's a pretty nice broad question of what, of which game is the most important rather than how we break it down week to week, you know, in general, obviously we yeah. know the schedule for, we know the regular season schedule. So yeah. What, what, I mean, what sticks out to you? Has it already been played? Has it not been played? It definitely hasn't been played. And you would think the most significant game, is that the way it was phrased? The, the, most important, what it was it? Yeah, the most, most important, important SEC game this season. The most important game has to involve, you know, playoff implications. So it's 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 going to be an Alabama or Georgia game, and and based on the way I just broke down the conference, I would I would tell you it has to be a game that you would think that one of those two has a chance to lose. So on one hand, I, I'm thinking the biggest threat to Alabama is the Tennessee game in Knoxville. But that's not going to be my answer. And the reason why is that you saw last year, Alabama lost one conference game and they still made it to the SEC championship game, won that, got into the playoff. And I mean, most of the time, playoff teams have one loss. And and especially if Alabama were to lose to Tennessee, it's out of the division. As long as they win the rest of the games, they're still going to win the West. And so that can't really derail their season by itself. They'd have to lose another game. What I'm going to go with is the most important game is Tennessee at Georgia, because I think it's the Tennessee's the only team that I'm giving any shot to beat Georgia this season. Yeah. And and I still don't give them a great shot, but if they were to do it, the scary thing for Georgia is 
if Tennessee doesn't lose two conference games, let's say they lose to Alabama, if they don't lose to anybody else and they beat Georgia, Georgia doesn't win the SEC East. Georgia's not in the SEC championship game. And if that's the case, one loss to Tennessee could potentially knock Georgia out of the college football playoff, prevent them from having a chance to defend their title. So that's what I'm going to go with as the most important game, just because I think the implications of one conference loss for Georgia could be greater than the implications of one conference loss for Alabama. Yeah, it's safe to say, right, that everything has to end up coming down to Georgia or Alabama because that's obviously was a national championship that we saw last year, and that's what essentially, I mean, people want to see again, unfortunately. I mean, I I hope it's something different because you never want to see the same thing every year. Like, I didn't want to see the Patriots and the the Super Bowl every single year either. Like you want, you want to shake it up. You want to see something right. different. I don't know. Give me a Kent State in there for all I care. No. <laughs> I don't care who it is. But it's well, got to be someone else shaking it up. Yeah, and and I, I think the the key for uh, the the national picture, the big picture for the college football playoff, is that until either Georgia, Alabama, or Ohio State has lost a game. Nothing has really happened in this college football season because those are the three favorites to win it all. Mm -hmm. And until something happens that jeopardizes one of those teams getting into the playoff, then nothing significant has really taken place during this season. And and so with two of those teams being in the SEC, I think there are more opportunities for for that significant occurrence to come within the SEC. Um, but outside of Tennessee, there aren't too many other teams that I would really give a chance to knock off one of those two. So, uh, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And how perfect, is that game? How, how, how perfect is that game right in Checker Nealon Stadium? Yeah, I mean, be, you, you know, I mean, I don't have to remind you what the drought is against Alabama. They haven't beaten them since Saban's been there. I want to say, I don't even know what the drought no, I mean, is. It, they, the, the, I the, the last, the year before Saban arrived, Tennessee beat Alabama. And then uh, all, was it now 15 years under Nick Saban? Yeah, 2007 through 21. I mean, at least I'll say there's not many teams that can say they have beat them, right? So, like, well, yeah, I mean, right. I mean, Arkansas I mean, hasn't least, beaten them. At least we're in an elite class. Yeah, right, exactly. Have, Arkansas have has played them every year since Saban arrived. They haven't beaten them either. I think Mississippi State beat them the very first year. Yeah. And then hasn't beaten them since. So there are a lot yeah. of teams that have long losing streaks against Nick Saban. Well, what I will say is, hey, we always get the leftovers that Saban doesn't want to use and they go off to do great things. Like, I mean, Alvin Kamara is a great example. I mean, this guy was a freaking two there, like a yeah. freaking two. And I mean, granted, Tennessee didn't use him that much either. And then he goes to the league and he takes off. And I look how obviously how well he's done, but at the end of the day, he's still a ball. So we still, we, we there can you play. go. I mean, and, and that's the way he'll always be a ball. <laughs> yep. But but you, know, you know why, by the way, you know, why, like why he left Alabama, you know, who he was behind. I did back then. I don't remember now. He was behind Derrick Henry. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. yeah. And so there you go. <laughs> that makes sense. 
We've seen one so, there. Yeah. But that's the, that's the thing that I think is so amazing about Alabama. The fact that their ones, their twos, and their threes are pretty much damn near on the same trajectory and the same, right. like, they're both high pillar people is crazy. The fact that you can even talk someone into coming there. Be like, yeah, just come here and be a two. Like, what? No, it's not happening. But the fact that you can you can get that to happen is, is nuts. And obviously, we already well, know what Derrick Henry is. He's, he's the, um, so crazy. The, I believe the national leader right now in sacks is Drew Sanders of Arkansas, who transferred from Alabama. He was a he he got beat out at Alabama last year. So he transferred in the offseason to Arkansas. Now he's leading the nation in sacks. So I mean, there there are obviously a lot of really talented players who can't get the playing time they want at Alabama. Right. But but they go there to try. Yeah. And 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 I respect the ones who give it at least two years and it doesn't happen, and then they move on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't like I don't like it when someone goes in and they don't play as a true freshman. They're like, I'm yeah. out of here, you know, whatever. Because yeah. there have been a lot of great players. I mean, guys who ended up being Hall of Famers at the pro level mm-hmm. who didn't play as a freshman in college. I mean, that, but, but that should tell you something too that if Saban does play you as a true freshman. You're you probably know. pretty good. You yeah. know. Yeah, that's why I was never really sold like that on Tua. I never I I never truly was. Um I mean, I thought it was cool that they had that type of backup quarterback, right? But I don't know, man. Tua is like, you know, it, it's a hit or miss. I feel like if he's on, he's oh, he's great, but then if he's off, it's just Well, it's just crazy not- to think that they I mean, just to continue this conversation, at the same time, they had they had Jalen Hurts Tua Tonga-Vailoa and Mac Jones, one, two, and three on the depth chart. Which makes no sense. It's, it's not all. bad. It's, it's, and, that's and, good and, depth and, and if you Jay, can get it. Jalen almost ended up at Miami. How wild, how wild would that would have been? Yeah, yeah. Yep, well, he went on a visit there. So it probably, I don't know how well it would have worked out, but it would have been interesting to see him. Uh, in the ACC, that, that, that's for sure. But all right, so yeah, we got some really good games on tap. Again, another heavy SEC week. Like you said, you're looking, you're, you're going to be looking a lot at that Kentucky and Ole Miss game. That's the top, nice top 10, rank, well, not top 10, but top ranked uh, team going up against another ranked team. So that one should be fun. And obviously Mizzou going up against Georgia and a couple other good ones. So we'll be back, obviously, to break a couple of these games down. And um, we'll, of course, we'll be back to talk Tennessee and their bye week and how they rested and how well they look uh, coming back. <laughs> they're looking uh, good this week. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're going to look great. Right here. Yep. They're going to be undefeated. I know that they're still going to stay remain on our undefeated SEC. That's what's That's important. That's at the end of the day. But for, for myself, Ashley Holder, and for Brad Edwards, we will see you next time. This is Fourth and Manageable. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company.